Welcome to another powerful message from One Life OK. We really hope you enjoy it. We are um, closing out March today. It's the 31st. So, you know what that means? Tomorrow's April. I, um, I've kind of constructed a, our challenge for April. Um, I wanted to kind of just start with that. In this book I've been reading, this alignment book, I mentioned it on Sunday that um, he was talking about their culture there at Bethel. You know, our, our culture is not, it's not what race we are. Our culture is what, when no one's looking, what our heart cultivates. That's your culture. You know, you can do anything for an hour or two appear, and I'm not proposing that y'all are not in that y'all are ingenuous or anything. But I loved what Bill that message I sent out. Um, was it today or yesterday? What is today? Clearly, I have no idea. Um, he made this statement, and I, I wrote a little thing about it. He, he said that God's always doing a new thing, and he means new. <laughs> so I wrote this little thing. It said, I said, this generation is unfolding in Jesus in a new way like never before. You know, I've been here 58 years now, and so I'm, I'm seeing something new. When God says He's doing a new thing, it means new. Yeah. Never seen before, not even in the Bible. Wow. Wow. I believe it. Now, obviously, it's biblical in its origin and destination and yeah. modeling, but... Okay. Yes. Pam says you're with me, so... No more disclaimers. So when we realize that we're actually asked by Him to co-labor with new, then we have to adjust what that will look like. True abandonment is just that. Once we've experienced something in God, with God, then just to repeat it means it's not new. Not bad, but not new. So what if, and it's true, God's mercies are new every day. What if it's because God is wanting to do a new thing each day? And how often do we just do the same thing that was once new? And then become complacent in reliving the old feeling of what it once was when it was new. Everything's new. So the mercy's new. The day is new. What he wants to do today is new. It's all new. This generation has been afforded new mysteries and revelations and understandings that past generations have never been afforded. And to continue to cultivate that growth, we have to live abandoned. Abandoning what was new once. But now isn't the new of God. And 
You know, I think that when I was reading this book, this alignment book, I, I'm going to be forever in Kleenexes now. I, I'm not crying tonight, though, so there. I, <laughs> I, was, I was recognizing that, that, that God is trying to develop within you a culture that is sustainable beyond your life. Do you agree? And so, can you feel, I mean, I can feel it. You know, Bill talked about it, and I've been feeling it for a long time, that, that we, we can't forget how we got here. I don't, I don't want to regurgitate how many years I prayed and how many years I did this and that or whatever, but to sustain what God's doing, there has to be a cultivation of what happened to begin it. And so I love this little, he gave these little four steps, and since it's April, then I decided I wanted us to do these four steps at four o'clock. Now that could be four in the morning for you, or that can be four in the afternoon. Blue Shooty's mine earlier with that time thing, just wrapped itself around her head, and we're free now. So you can do that either time. And I made a little PowerPoint to help us, okay? It's called Four at Four. <laughs> my, big, my biggest fans up here cheering my praises. The first step that we're going to do Four at Four is we're going to recognize His presence. Now, we're good at that, right? We're good at that, right? You know... I love, I love these four little things because what he's trying to do is he's trying to activate what I've been preaching about, the truth that already is in you. Yeah. Have you felt it any at all? Have you just had any, has anyone had any shift? You know, truth, I love what he said. He said, we pursue truth until there's nothing left but truth. Do you even know what that means? I mean, it sounds good. Everybody's ooing and on, but what does it mean? How do you do it? You know, there's tension. Let me say it this way. As we have entered into adulthood where we are now, wherever you are right now, even Abe, you know, he's way more mature than most of us in here, but don't tell him. But... As we enter into, then we realize things about our previous existence. We really want to rid ourselves. Have you ever had something you just wish you could get rid of? Just a way you think or feel? Anyone ever had that? And it's interesting how, I, I, I don't know if you remember what Shudi wrote the other day, but we really hang on to things that we agree with. Yeah. Right? Yes. So if there's something that is a repeat cycle in your life, there's some sort of agreement or what I, another word is payoff. That's the, you know, Dr. Phil will use that word. It's a payoff, right? In other words, there's something about it that either it feels too hard to change it, right? Right? Or we get some benefit from it. 
You know, like that's what a lot of enablers do. What is happening is that they have a voice inside that says, you can't let that person do that. You can't let them fall down. You can't let them, you know, pay their own rent. You can't, you've got to bail them out. There's a voice in there that's saying, you've got to do that. You've got to do that. You've got to do that. Or you'll be a bad person. And so they, ad- we adjust what we're doing because we don't want to be the bad person. Instead of really getting truth. Truth would be, that person needs to find their own way. Your payoff is you answer that voice that says you're going to be a bad person by doing something that actually hurts that person to where they can't grow up. Yes. See, that's the tension of truth. So he's saying, I'm just using an example, pursuing truth would be your purpose isn't to be an enabler or a rescuer. Your purpose is something else. So you pursue and pursue and pursue and pursue and pursue and pursue truth of who you are until you know who you are. Then there's nothing left but truth. So then when the enemy comes in and says, hey, you better do that thing. You have truth that's bigger. This happens to a lot of y'all. I see it happening to y'all. So the truth's not bigger yet. Right? And he says, so we pursue truth until there's nothing left but truth in the face of all opposition in every obstacle because we're sure that he he who promised is faithful and is able to accomplish it. That's the reason to pursue truth. It's because there's something in truth that he wants to accomplish in your life. So you're pursuing it for a reason. Number two. For, for he's already living inside us. That's another thing we're going to think about at 4 o'clock during the month of April. How big is he? How big is your understanding of how big he is inside of you? Is this a difficult one for us? I mean, I think we all know he's living in us. But what's he doing in there? What's he doing in you? In me, he's just constantly talking and giving me stuff. I'm like, sometimes I just have to say, Tumas, I have to say, every now and then I have to say, I need to rest, wait. Now, see, I used to be afraid to say that because I was afraid that it would turn off the spout. But he likes it when I say that. Oh, that messed y'all up. Who can I talk to? I don't know. He likes it when I say too much because I, he says, well, you know, he wants me to steward. Yes. Right? Yes. Number three, he's always doing something wonderful and great, and he wants to do it through me. That, do you? See, if, if you know his presence and you know he's in you, and you know he wants to do something amazing. Chrissy's going to read you a word here in a minute that's going to blow your mind. It's that one, right? That's the one. Sorry. She's got so many words going, I can't keep track of which one she's reading here in a minute. And number four, we come together as a family that we love and we expect impossible things to happen. Impossible things. Right? We don't need God to do just regular human stuff. Do you even know how to think about impossible things? Think right now. Somebody share with me something that they feel is impossible. 
Oh, I was hoping that we'd have more popcorn than that. Nothing? Wow. Nothing. Got nothing. Nothing? Nothing? You, you're, you start floating. <laughs> okay. Okay. Very good. That's way more practical than me floating. I don't know why we would need that. Okay. So <laughs> clearly someone's fun and, and I'm not. Um, into abortion, right? How many feel like that seems impossible? Okay, let's ask why. Why does that feel impossible? See, we've got to ask the right questions. Yeah. See, if you don't go get why you think that, yeah. it's the blocker of truth. Yeah. This is a really simple exercise you could do for yourself every day. Yeah. If I feel something or think something that doesn't sound like God, I find out why I'm thinking that. I find out why, because you know what? Everybody else is experiencing you thinking not like God. And they're wishing you would stop. They just are, because why? Because they can see it. You know, I was, I was telling you all on Sunday that I was living in this tension with Lenny. I'm just going to say it because I, I hope somebody will judge us. So, um, <laughs> And so she told me a while back, she said, I think God wants me to sell my car and get a different car. And I, can I tell you, everything within my body is like, why? would you do that that was i didn't say it out loud thank god but every cell of my being felt like saying that and but i've learned with her she tells me crazy things all the time have you ever lived with a prophet v okay sorry they are crazy aren't they they're crazy town aren't they right tess right because why because god's not asking them if they agree He messed up the whole world with just one statement. No, y'all didn't get it. And so, see, that's tension in me because I'm like, oh, let's don't, let's don't, let's, let's don't, let's don't mess up a good thing. We're in a good place. I start, and my mind starts down this road. Y'all do this, whether you can relate right now or you want to admit it, of justification, of fear, of everything. And I heard the Holy Spirit say, you didn't ask me. And so then I, you know, I wrestled for a month with all during March. Because she said there's this, there's, he told me there's this special going on in March. Well, you know, I'm like... No, don't tell me that. It's like, why? Did, why? But see, in that wrestling match, he revealed the smallness of my own mind in that moment. Wow. Took a whole month. My mind is strong. <laughs> so I fleeced God to death with Lenny. I made her fleece with me. We fleeced. We were the fleecing twins this month. 
dang, it kept being the thing, kept being the, oh man, fleece is fleece, fleece. So today, it's March 31st. And so Lenny has a new car outside. But see, here's the thing. The guy called her. And he said, I will give you, which is crazy. My, I used, my ex-husband's dad owned a car dealership, a big one. And so this is not normal. But I will give you retail for your car. And I will give you all this money off of any car on the lot. But see, he was messing with me. <laughs> How many of y'all can let, you got to let that happen to you. He's messing, why? Because he just wants to know if we can yield. He just wants to know, is his presence, does he want to do something crazy? Because see, the weird thing is, the guy that sold her her other car lost his job. And while she was sitting in the showroom today, he walked in. Do you understand he did all of that for that dude? <laughs> you don't understand. I want to do that with him. Offend my mind. Make me get, scare me to death with goodness. Because that guy was that important to him. What's the chances? Really? He doesn't even work there anymore. COVID sent him on down the road. Then he worth it. What's the chances today in that three-hour window? That's when he walked in. You can't make that up. Lynn's not unhappy, of course, because that's the goodness of God. Impossible things. That was an impossible. You, if you ask her her story, that's an impossible. Do you, I remember the day where a guy at Crossroads Cathedral, where I went, that had ten thousand people and this single mom with three little girls. He said, "Here, I'll give you my car." It didn't run. She couldn't even open the passenger door or the driver's door. They had to crawl in through the window, and he thought it. And he strained to give her that thousand dollar car. So see, you don't know the journey. So when you're a part of that journey, when your life is the same journey, wherever you were small and tiny and just barely believed to get a chicken nugget. Right? He's got, if you'll just yield, he wants to expand you so much. And that's what I'm really hoping. I'm hoping 404 is going to be an expansion month of your smallness. I hope this story just begins. See, God, you have to understand, God doesn't care about material things. But if you like them, He wants you to have what you like. I don't understand why she wants that car, but he, she is driving it now. I don't have to understand it. It exists. It's not in me. I just, want, I just wanted a pickleball shirt. I mean, you know, we just all want different things. He's just good that way. And so I'm just telling y'all that I feel like he's wanting to come in this month and he's really wanting to adjust some major thinking areas for us. 
Would you partner with me to do it? A little four of four. You know, we're not, we're still doing our prayer, pray, pray ahead. I just like, I'm with Bill. It's time to pray more, more, more. I'd love for y'all to just keep investing in that and praying more and just telling of your stories and everything. It's really good. It really encourages me, encourages everybody else to go in there and read about it. So just just really be cultivating that, okay? Okay. So tonight, I just wanted to start out by saying that that on Saturday, Christy wrote this word, but, you know, I have noticed that um, to the degree that that she struggles, I guess you could say, that she that she wrestles, is it feels like it's um, an indicator of the powerfulness of the word, the anointing that's on the word, you know. And and I I asked her to start the service tonight with with what she wrote. Um, and it, I mean, it's it's really amazing. I want I want to start out by saying that on March nineteenth, which was a Friday, I was actually driving over to pick her up from my house, which is only three minutes away. And I was driving down Penn, and in the distance there was this huge mushroom-shaped cloud. I even took a picture of it. It was far, far away. And I remember thinking, I wonder why I'm seeing that. It was about the size of a man's hand in the distance. Not, if you got close, it would have been bigger, but do you understand? Okay. And so I immediately thought about whenever, I believe it was Elisha, or was it Elijah? Was it Elijah? Whenever his little servant, I think it was Elisha, but I don't know. Do you know? Okay, wherever, whenever his servant was with him and he was scared, and Elijah, one of the Ellies, turned over and said, no, I, no, it was the rain, sorry. When, the, when he said, it, it's going to rain, and he said, run and look, and the guy said, I see a cloud the size of a man's hand. Wow. And so I thought about that then, and so come, Mendel, and share this word. Thank you, Tisa. Yeah, it was really interesting because uh, Tisa didn't mention that to me the day she saw that, but I didn't really think much of it. I think she tried to send me a picture of it or something, but um, it escaped my mind after that. But um, I know I have to agree with Tisa about, I just had some more evidence in the service already today about the, the pushback against this word, so it's kind of cracking me up at this point. <laughs> Because um, just to give you a couple of examples, when uh, right when I stepped up here on the platform for worship, um, there's this this decision I've been struggling with making, um, and I finally made a decision, and then sort of um, in an odd way, you could say I just got a text right when I stepped up here on that subject. So it was like so obvious to me that it was just like, hey, remember this, yeah, you know. Remember this thing? It was a really, it's an unusual, unusual thing too. So I was like, okay, well, that's weird. I can see that. Then the other thing was during worship, one of the other things was that I got the strangest tickle in my throat and I literally thought I was going to choke twice <laughs> when I was trying to sing. So, and I've never had that happen before in that way. It was, it was weird. And then um, there was some other stuff. So just saying, I feel like, you know, there, there is something on this word 
um, that he wants me to share that's going to be um, life-changing for us. It's going to really um, stir us up and get us um, to dive deep into some things because he is doing a new thing. And he's doing this new thing with me that I can't even explain, but I can tell it's a new thing. And sort of this, um, I don't know, um, what's the word? Some of the different ways I hear him are being um, amplified, you could say. And they're being amplified at different times. And it's almost overwhelming because it, it, it kind of makes me feel chaotic and things like that. So, but um, one of the things he's doing is he's starting to have me write these things that even the next day I don't fully understand, you know, and so it's stretching me and my ability to um, partner with him even because I don't always understand uh, what he's telling me. Um, So this is the way Tisa um, prefaced this was just so perfect, but I was on Saturday, I've I've been really... um, I'm a feeler, you know, so I feel lots of things. And so I'd gotten to this place where I was just really, really frustrated and really discouraged and feeling all these kind of negative emotions about things. And I, when I stopped and identified sort of a theme of what I thought was behind it, it had to do with um, this pressure that the enemy will kind of put on me about a real um, God-given desire. Okay, so I have this God-given desire for him to be displayed for to see him to see miracles happen to see you know his goodness displayed on all the ways you could describe that to see people healed on and on but the the um the enemy will try to grab onto a real god-given heartfelt desire and twist it a little bit and he keeps tripping me up with it and so i was really i sat down to really talk with him and i was really pressing into what this was and this was the thing i told you about the other day where first i just decided to evict the enemy and i just went after the enemy and i i wrote all this stuff about how you know he had to get out and i called him a vermin and all these other things you know told him he better run before he had to bow to jesus and you know on and on like that and said he had no right to be in my heart he had no right to even taint my heart with his presence and stink up the place you know stuff like that. So I got fierce with my words on, on that. And then that brought me to a place where I could um, relax a little bit more and say to him, hey, you know, Holy Spirit, what do you want to show me about this? Because I, I believe this is a heartfelt, God-given desire, but maybe there's something you need to show me about it. And it was, it turned into this thing where, like Tisa said, he, he was showing me some insight into some deep perspectives in my heart that I didn't even know were there that needed tweaking so that the desire of my heart could be fulfilled. And so he's so good to do that, isn't he? So I'm going to read what he wrote or what he told me. And, um, but I have to say that first I stopped after I, after I did all that, I evicted the enemy and I cried out to him and I said, what do you want to show me? And then I just stopped and I got real quiet for a minute and I saw this picture in my mind when I closed my eyes, I saw this picture and it was of an atomic bomb of going off like the mushroom cloud. And I remembered as a kid, the very first time I ever saw that there was some movie I saw as a kid that my mom was watching or something about uh, when the very first atom bomb was ever detonated. And it just really stood out in my mind. And so I was asking the Holy Spirit, why are you showing me this? And so I, I did a little bit of research because he gave me the question. He said, well, why do you think they did that? Why did they set off 
the atom bomb for the very first time ever. What led to that decision? And so I, I looked up some information online just real quickly about why that decision was made. And um, Hiroshima was, or Hiroshima in Japan, uh, was the first place that an atom bomb was, a live bomb was, deton atom bomb was detonated. I think it had been tested once in a desert, but, and that was the thing I remembered as a kid. And it was really tragic. But, um, so I, the, the Holy Spirit started to speak to me and what I found when I just did a tiny bit of research about why that decision was made. Um, and this was during the war, I think it was World War II, and America was still at war with Japan at this point. I don't know, I don't, quote me on the World War II part, but we were at war with Japan. And so the United States decided to drop the first atom bomb on Japan in an attempt to stop the war. So Papa said, this is where I'm at. Papa just starts talking at that point. And he says, daughter, I bring this to your attention because the motives for display can sometimes have underlying fears. In this case, the U.S. wanted to display their power to the Japanese to make them stop fighting, to make them surrender but they also wanted it to serve as a warning to other countries, the Soviets especially, to dissuade them from trying to attack the U.S. or take them on in another war. Their goal was ultimately to establish safety, right? They wanted to display power in order to protect themselves. Not just immediately, but in to speak into the future too. So there were two main reasons that I read that one was they wanted to make a quick end to the war, which it worked. I mean, they set the bomb off. It was horrible. It was devastating. Japan surrendered, ended the war right there. But there was also something going on behind the scenes with the Soviet Union that a lot of people are proposing that was an additional motive for them, a high ranking motive for why they chose to do that. And it was basically to show this big display of power, like don't mess with us. You better think twice about messing with America. Because we know you're thinking about it, but you better think twice now, because now you can see what we can do. And so all of these people say that that was really kind of a secondary, possibly even a primary motive for, you, for choosing to use the very first atom bomb ever. So uh, let's see. Um, so he says he wanted us to, wanted, we wanted them to dissuade them from trying to attack the US or take them on in another war. Their goal was ultimately to establish safety, even into the future. They wanted to send a message that said, don't mess with us. Why did they need to send that message? Well, because in reality, they were vulnerable to attack, they being the United States. In reality, the U.S. didn't have some bulletproof armor surrounding the country. Like all countries, they were and are vulnerable the success and lifetime of the American way was not guaranteed. The future could hold multiple outcomes, multiple possibilities. The future state of the country was unknown, so they, they were motivated to take matters into their own hands to secure their future. He asked me, is there any part of that, any part of you that wants my glory displayed on earth so that the future is more secure for you, for my kingdom, for my children. There's a subtle difference that could be at play here. One is partnering with me to display my love to my children out of the love, out of love for me. 
The other is to further a cause of establishing a long-term outcome. I know that you want to see good triumph over evil, but do you realize that it's already been decided and established for that to happen? The end of the story doesn't really depend on your contribution. He said, do you realize that? I have already preordained the outcome, the end of the story. The battle on earth to take territory back from the enemy to establish my kingdom here isn't about ensuring an outcome. The outcome has already been decided. I haven't asked you to partner with me to help ensure that outcome. I need you to understand this, to really grasp this. I have already preordained my coming kingdom on earth. I have already judged the enemy and issued his sentence. Evil has already been defeated. The outcome is already decided and is not vulnerable. It's not up for debate and it can't be changed by man. I am sovereign. I know it's difficult for you to imagine a power that is so high above anything man could ever demonstrate. You do well to exalt me, but I tell you that I am more. I am higher and I am the all-powerful. You must build your awareness of this truth, and I will help you build this awareness. The more you can see my true authority and power, the more you will believe and be convinced that my plan for humanity is infallible, unchangeable, and has the most beautiful outcome. He said, sweet one, I don't need you to enforce this outcome. And I didn't design your gifts to be used this way. I didn't design your gifts to be used this way. I don't need you to enforce this outcome. I don't need you to enforce this outcome and I didn't design your gifts to be used that way. He said, such a motive cannot remain in your pursuit of your purpose. I'm going to shift the way you see this. I'm going to shift your attention to the real reason I've asked you to partner with me. You see, love isn't the cherry on top of the victory. It's not just the preferred accessory to the meaning or goal of life. Love is is actually the meaning, the goal, the focus. All that I've called you to do, the purpose of all the gifts I've given you, is all rooted in love. Not a desperate love, but a victorious love. It's not a heartfelt longing that's rarely quenched and in need of relief, but a full overshadowing, surrounding love that is already embracing its desire. I have to read that part again, too. It's not a desperate love, but a victorious love. Not a heartfelt longing that's rarely quenched and in need of relief, but a full, overshadowing, surrounding love that is already 
embracing its desire. Your definition of love, your exposure and experience of love, it seems is a little on the side of being a relieved desperation. In a sense, you have experienced love more as a relief from loss, need, pain, fear, etc. But it is so much more than that. It is so much more than that. Love does cast out fear and relieve a multitude of needs. But my child, love came before the needs. Love came before the needs. It came before the fear, before the pain, on and on and on. Love came first. You see, love existed outside of desperation, need, fear, loss, pain. Love existed first. It was not just a solution to a problem. Love wasn't birthed out of a crisis or a tragedy. Love wasn't created to meet some unforeseen dilemma in my plan for eternity. No, love existed first and was the original motivator. Love is the original motivator. He said, I'm bringing you back to its design. It's time your definitions were remade to be like mine. You will no longer be a participant in a misunderstood game. You will be a true partner of mine. I'm promoting you now. I'm giving you access to the inner sanctum of my plans and designs. You will hear the heart behind every strategy and design. I will secure your heart to mine like this on a brand new level. I'm giving you the anchor you desire. It will guide you and be a plumb line for you in all things. I'm lifting the veil that clouded your ability to see with clarity. I'm revealing an ancient truth, an ancient truth that will forever change you. It will lead you into all truth as you walk in freedom in your design. So there's a lot there and I'm still unpacking it, but I'm so thankful that I at least very least could tell that he was touching on some things that were in my heart that I didn't know. I didn't know, you know, I didn't know that I had wrong. <laughs> and so I don't know if you remember, but a few couple a month or so ago, I, we talked about arrows and I think I wrote a word about an arrow. And then if there was something weighty on the, the shaft of the arrow, then when the archer released it wouldn't fly right. It wouldn't hit its target. And so that's kind of how I'm seeing this so far in terms of this display of power. I have a true heartfelt God-given desire to see him displayed, but what this word was telling me is that there's a, there's a little weight on the shaft of the arrow that if it was released on the level that I'm wanting it to be released, it would fly off target a little bit. Because if his glory was displayed, imagine, I mean, we can only begin to imagine what our response would be as his glory was displayed on even greater levels than what we're walking in now. And we want to trust that our response to that or what our, our reactions would be, what our motives would look like, that they'd be pure 
And so I didn't know that I still did. I have this thing where I, I was raised in sort of this with this underdog mentality. And so I want the underdog to rise up and win. So how does the underdog win? You know, they I mean, the, those underdog movies are good because they show them winning. They show them winning the game after game after game, you know. And so there was a thing in me I didn't realize that was wanting God's glory to be displayed because I it it proved something. It 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 furthered my own belief in a sense. It it proclaimed it to other people even that no, he's not the underdog, but he doesn't need that kind of proving. You know, he he doesn't need that kind of proving. And we will will spin our wheels when we're operating in our gifts if we're trying to do that. Not to mention be exhausted and fruitless in our efforts, right? So thank you, Jesus, that he comes and he and the Holy Spirit comes and 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 tweaks us in these ways and really helps us see where we have some misguided um, motivators. And then, of course, the second huge thing was this idea that I don't fully understand love. You know, I thought I understood what love was. And there's, you know, of course, I understand it on on lots of levels. But to think that this was true, this was true about me, that my definition of love, if really, was that love, I've only seen love demonstrated in terms of a response to a need. I mean, we even talk about that with with Jesus, you know, I mean, Christianity, it's preached that we were so in need, we were so desperate that the father sent his one and only son to pay the price for us. And that was the greatest demonstration of love. And it's not that that's not true. He did do that. And that was the greatest demonstration of love. But the Holy Spirit is telling us now that we've got to realize that Jesus existed before we ever needed him in that way. And there was a reason that that Father God made us out of love before we ever needed him in that way. So there's got to be this greater um, capacity, this greater perspective on love is that, that we have been missing. And if love is the original motivator and love is to be our motivator, then we have got to receive and pursue the truth of a new revelation on on what love is, what love truly is, because then we will spend our days and we will spend the, the, on operating in our gifts in such a way that's actually effective because it will be motivated out of the true source and with a, a clear arrow able to be shot out. So I think Tisa is going to come back up and share some more with us, but I do want to pray real quick, if I may. Holy Spirit, I just say thank you. We just thank you for your persistence, and you are so faithful. You are so faithful. You are so faithful to come and unveil new truths to us, just as you have been have we've been talking about in previous messages. So we thank you for the unveiling and we say we honor what you're showing us. We honor it today. We exalt it above every other previous understanding. And we say we even exalt the things that we don't yet understand. And we will value the hearing. We'll value the fact that you've spoken to us and we will know that we know that we know that you are doing a deep and a very great work in us and that we will trust that the understanding will come in good time. But for now, we say thank you, we thank you, we thank you, and we celebrate your goodness and your unveiling of truth to us in this way. So we say, let it be so, let it be done in us, just as you have said. In Jesus' name, amen.
you know, one of my favorite things to do in life is cook. I don't have time to do it much anymore, but one of the things I like to do is like, I'll go to a restaurant and I'll try to figure out what's in the food. And I feel like what Christy's trying to tell us is this is a good analogy for it. That when I go home and then I make it, then I judge it according to the original. But I also know that there's things in the original I don't like. And so then I make an adjustment that fits my taste buds. And I think that's a good analogy that that's kind of what we've done with the spirit is that he was an original, but then we take it and we kind of tweak it to meet up with what we like. And, and I think, you know, he's trying to say that that's, we can't keep, if you think about, we're just trying to tweak little things at this point, there's nobody in here that hates God and, you know, just doesn't even love him and doesn't like our kind of worshiping where we got over that because, you know, it wasn't your choice. And so, oh, sorry. And then, so, you know, right. So now we're all leaning in, we're wanting this tweaking and everything, but there's just those little things that it's like, I feel like this is a really good example. If you could really dive into understanding just the heart behind what the Spirit's saying, that the motivator has to be His motivator. And any place in our life that the motivator is like whatever, I mean, it's usually to make it easier for us, right? Then we're not actually leaning in. Right now there's just tension in all kinds of places. We have tension in our business and in, in design remodeling because we are unbelievably busy. It's like mind blowing, like thousands and thousands of tens of thousands of money in these jobs. And so there's tension though, because I'm, I'm trying to expand us, but to expand us, it's slower to expand. It feels like in the moment Growth is always that way. And see, I feel like God is, is actually preparing us for growth. And so in the growing process, there's tension because you've gotten into a rut of how you want to do things. And so then when someone comes in, even to help you, it's almost like you can't even tell them how to help you because you've done it a certain way for so long. Even their help seems like pressure. And that's, that's insanity. Doesn't it feel like insanity? Because when there's more people, there's just more help. And it's the same way in the kingdom. That I, I wanted to end with this cool verse that I got. And it's, um, I read part of it on Sunday really fast, kind of at the end. But it was the part about the gifts. You remember how I went through about all the word of wisdom and all that. But the next part I didn't get to read was, it's called One Body with many parts. It says, just as the human body is one, though it has many parts that together form one body, so too is Christ. For by one spirit, we were all immersed and mingled into one single body. And no matter our status, whether we're Jews or non-Jews, whether we're oppressed or free, we are all privileged to drink deeply of the same Holy Spirit. In fact, the human body is not a single part, but rather many parts mingled into one. So if the foot were to say, since I'm not the hand, I'm not part of the body, it's forgetting that it is, a, it's, that it is still a vital part of the body. 
And if the ear were to say, well, since I'm not an eye, I'm not really part of the body, it's forgetting that it is still an important part of the body. So think of it this way. If the whole body were just an eyeball, how could it hear sounds? And this is such an important thing in you, to you finding your destiny. Because see, if you, if you don't understand why he put you here, you're going to miss out on the thing that he put you here to do. You know, one of the things, it's really easy to see. I think it's really, for all y'all, easy to see what Christy's gifts are. But can I tell you, there is nobody in her entire family that can see it. Nobody. Zero ability. So her interaction with family is a, she's a different person when interacting with them because she can't be this person. And so that's why God put her in a family that she can be herself. And that there's value for what God put in her because it meets the needs of the family. This family needs the seeing part of her life so it can show us things and it can open up things that we would never know before. I love when we picked up bro all go, he said to her, he said, how did we get you? How, that's what he said to Chrissy. How did we get you? I mean, like, it feels like, how did we get that? I mean, how did we get that? I mean, like, if you just read that word she wrote today, I'm like, how? I mean, I was screaming when I, she was reading that to me this afternoon. So think of it this way. If the whole body were just an eyeball, how could it hear sounds? If the whole body were just an ear, how could it smell different fragrances? Can you, can you see the importance of what you bring to the table? You might be the one smelling the fragrances. You might be the one hearing the sound. See, when you discount who you are, then the entire body is missing out on what part you could bring. But see... What happens is the enemy lies to us and then we see we can't see ourselves being the part of the body and so we will never do it. You will never do it if you're waiting for me to tell you again who you are. You'll never do it because you have to see it to do it. It says, but, it, but God has carefully designed each member and placed it in the body to function as he desires. That's exactly what her word is really speaking to, is that he has a motivation and purpose, and it's way different. It, it, his motivation for everything is love, but it can't be the love that we've changed it to. We've changed the definition of love. God is love. That's the definition of love, is God. Not an action, not a, some flowers, not some chocolate, not a relationship, but Him. The purity of Him is love. And when that love has overtaken me, all of my actions change. I don't need a motivator to be a part of a family. I can't wait to be a part of the family. I don't need someone to tell me to respond to texts because I'm part of a family. It's what we do. I don't need somebody to tell me to pray. I'm praying because someone said to pray and I'm going to pray. I love this. In the, in the Passion, he said that every believer should learn to be content with the placement within the body of God because God placed them. God is pleased when we serve him with joy in every activity or ministry that we engage in for the sake of the body. See, I, 
I do everything for the sake of one life. You know, I was talking to Lenny about cars the other day, you know, because we were talking about it. But I was like, I bought a car with one life in mind. I bought a car knowing I may bring bro to church with his guitar. And so I need to have room for him and my children to ride in the car. I, I buy things with that in mind. I buy things for when people come over that they enjoy being at our house. I buy things with that in, in my mind. I don't buy things just, well, how's it all just going to benefit me? I was going to tell funny right there, but I'm not. Verse 19. A diversity is required. Quit trying to be like me. Be you. Be you. Don't be the, the lied to version of you. Be the God original designed you. See, the problem is when we're, when we're, anyway. A diversity is required for if the body consisted of one single part, it wouldn't be called a body. <laughs> <laughs> so now we see that there are many differing parts and functions, but one body. It would be so wrong for the eye to say to the hand, I don't need you. And equally wrong if the head said to the foot, I don't need you. In fact, the weaker parts, the more vital and essential they are. In fact, the weaker our, our parts are, the more vital and, and essential they are. Yes. Yes. So see, I kind of look at Mendel's gifts and, and a lot. Of, I'm just using her because she, but it's, it is very fragile. I have to tell you, it is very, very fragile. There is not, I mean, <clears throat> the enemy is constantly, I'm okay, mirraging her with lies. I mean, just like her saying, saying that she stood up here and just got this text. I mean, I can only imagine who it is because why? Because there's an impending family thing coming up. And so, you know, it's like, well, you've got to get on Christy. And, and it's like she was saying the other day, I wouldn't want to go to that if I was great with my family. It's just not my thing. And so the enemy's always targeting her and always making her do this one thing, feel like she's not enough. I'm not enough for my family. I'm doing it wrong over here. I'm going to do it wrong over here. And that tension in her works against what God's trying to use her. And so there's tension. So there's that prayer covering is so important if you want to keep getting those words. That's the way I look at it. And so, you know, you got to remember in the body, different people have different things. I mean, Shudi has to lead worship here every Sunday. So do you think the enemy is always trying to get her with stuff? Why? Because whoever is trying to lead and trying to instruct and trying to train, the enemy doesn't want them in that spot. He's okay if you just warm the pew and you never do anything. He's like, okay, you're good. Right? So the weaker parts are more vital and essential. That's so good, right? Almost done. The body 
parts we think are less honorable, we treat with greater respect. And the body parts that wow. need to be covered in public, we treat with propriety and clothe them. But some of our body parts don't require as much attention. Instead, God has mingled the body parts together, giving greater honor to the lesser members who lacked it. And he has done this intentionally, intentionally so that every member would look after the others with mutual concern and so that there would be no division in the body. It's a setup. It's a setup to see if you can show honor. Don't you see? It's a setup. It's a setup. You know, I have really sensitive feet. Like the bottoms of my feet are really soft and sensitive and septal. Septal. <laughs> yes, it's septal for my feet. Septal. I did that just for Cheryl. And I can't just wear any shoe. I don't want to go barefoot. I always wear socks. And why am I telling this story? Because, huh? What? No, what did you say? Yes, I know. I I can't remember why I'm telling this story all of a sudden. I thought of another story when I was telling this story, and that made me lose my mind. I totally lost my mind right now. What? Yes, that's it. So, so I make sure that I don't walk on anything that's going to make my feet hurt tomorrow. And if I'm going to play pickleball, I'm gonna, I got me some new shoes. Because I needed pickleball shoes. I didn't have any of those because I hadn't played before. See, because why? I am so careful about something that I have had experience with that makes me not want to walk tomorrow. And you understand that's what's going on. Someone's helping you with your walk. I, it would behoove y'all to spend some time praying for her because he is actually speaking through that oracle right now. I don't know how it's going to be next week or the next week, but hey, there's something powerful in what God is saying right now, and we don't want to miss it. Last verse he says, because he, he says, so there'll be no division. In that way, whatever happens to one happens to all. Think of that in a good way right now. Think of that in, you just heard Lynn get a car? You just heard the prophet say God's blessing? I mean, what do you, what? I mean, how, I mean, one thing happens to one, happens to all? You know, my belief is that we should be the best cared for community because we love. Because we love. There should be no needs among us. I love it. And even if one suffers, everyone suffers. If one is honored, everyone rejoices. Remember what I used to say? If if you unify, the joy is doubled and the hardship is halved. That's the that's the that's what we're trying to do. That's why I'm wanting you to make a commitment, a new commitment, just really in your heart tonight. I think it's really important to just make a new commitment. You know, because God is trying to do something with us through us. He's giving us this powerful, powerful words. I I wasn't going to do it, but I can't help it. But I have to have Christy read this word she sent today because I just wasn't going to do it. 
but it's like I cannot get it off my mind, and I feel like I would be disobedient. And it, and I need you to just come read it over us, and then, and then we can be done. So good. Well, that song that um, Brandon Lakes led uh, Bethel on Sunday, I think it was called um, Don't Tell Me He Can't Do It. Don't Tell Me He Can't Do It. Boy, wasn't that a powerful, powerful song. Oh, well, um, so I heard the song for the first time today and it just wrecked me. And I was not even sure. I mean, I was just crying and crying and crying. And I really didn't understand why I was crying. I didn't understand what what about it. I mean, I really couldn't pinpoint why I was crying. I don't know how else to elaborate on that. I didn't know <laughs> why I was crying. It's about the best way to say it. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But I wasn't sad, like Army said. So... Of course, I'm just going to read a couple of the lines there. You know, he says in that song, I believe you're the wonder-working God. You're the wonder-working God. All the miracles I've seen, you're too good to not believe. You're the wonder-working God, and you heal because you love. Oh, the miracles we'll see, you're too good to not believe. There's nothing that my God can't do. Don't you tell me he can't do it. Don't you tell me he can't do it. Oh, just watching them perform that song, I was just like, yes, like, yes, like that's what everybody needs to get up and say that. That's what we need to say. And and I don't even, like, I still don't even fully understand why I had such a powerful encounter, why I was crying. But there was this thing in me that it, it, I honestly felt like somebody stood up and fought for me on the things that I'm always battling inside. Like somebody stood up and said out loud on a massive, you know, worldwide platform, spoke to the doubt or unbelief that tries to get me and said, don't tell me he won't do it. Don't tell me he can't do it. You know, so it was it was a powerful, powerful weapon. And so I in my processing, though, I was asking the Holy Spirit, you know, what's going on? Was he trying? What are you trying to say right now? And, um, you know, that song, I just knew it was, it's like an anthem of truth. It's an anthem of truth. And it does, it's that weapon in the face of what the enemy tries to say. And it's a proclamation of faith and a proclamation of belief, of course. But I heard Papa say, I heard the Holy Spirit say that I've planted this song in the spirit of every child ever born. This song, that proclamation, that anthem of truth, that, that thing that stands up and tells doubt and tells unbelief, don't tell me, don't tell me, like I'll be the one to stand up, don't tell me that he won't do it, don't tell me that he can't do it. That song is in the spirit of every child ever born. This song cries out from within every person, whether they know it or not. That includes the homeless man down the street. That includes your unbelieving family members. That includes the people you work with. Of course, it includes everybody in here, every person. Just think about that, every person in every situation. That song cries out from within every person, whether they know it or not. They may or may not be able to identify it, but they feel it. They may put other names on it and try to satisfy it with external things, but there is a deep, deep hunger to proclaim this truth burning within all of them. He said it's too simple 
to only say Jesus satisfies. Jesus satisfies only points people to the thing that they know they need satisfied. So then he becomes seen as the one who satisfies needs like loneliness, maybe their drive for success, their need for significance, financial gain, status, etc. These are needs they think can be solved by any number of ways, though, mostly through the worldly system, but most especially on their own. Then there are those who experience the greater needs of sickness, addiction, depression, poverty, mental disease, etc. The world often falls short of meeting those needs, so then Jesus is looked to to satisfy those. But this still points to a lesser thing. This is still not their greatest need. This is another one of those definition-shifting, perspective-shifting things. The, the sickness on earth is not really man's greatest need. You know, the brokenness in humanity is not really man's greatest need. I mean, have you ever thought about that that way? You know, it's not the greatest need on this planet. These needs fall short still in truly understanding the greatest need of man. If all of this were satisfied, all those other needs were satisfied, there would still remain a greater need felt within. There's a resonance within man that is waiting to fulfill its destiny. It's the proclamation of the glory of God. The glory of God was planted within. Its sound has been echoing inside the walls of man, trying to find a way beyond, trying to find a way to extend beyond the box it's been placed in, a box that's way too small. Man itself is too small to contain the glory of God. It has a power beyond man that can't be contained in a lesser vessel. It has to extend beyond its borders and man. It has to be released. It has to echo further into the land that man walks on. It has to be released to the atmosphere to extend itself in keeping with its design. It can't rest until it mingles with the throne room praise in heaven itself. Until its reverberation reaches the ears of God himself on his heavenly throne, only then can it be satisfied when it returns to its own kind. When it can join the praises of thousands of angels in all of creation, this need burns within the heart of every man. It smolders and it has a scent. It echoes and has a sound. It has a motion that's not content. It is the greatest need of man. The enemy targets this need as well as all the others. Perhaps it's his greatest target, and yet it flies under the radar so often. It receives such little attention. He piles things like doubt and unbelief on the souls of men to quiet this sound within. So often, man lets it linger because they've never understood this greatest need. They're only aware of what society agrees is a true need. 
So these assaults of doubt and unbelief are permitted instead of protested, and man continues to live in a strain, in a tension, in a life filled with persistent unsatisfaction. So Papa, we just say today, help us know how to lead people to the release of that sound within them. Help us know how to, to spread your word to help this need be identified in mankind, that we would no longer pass it over and set it aside for all of these lesser things, but we would actually learn to, to recognize that humankind has a great need within them and is to proclaim the glory, glory of God. So Holy Spirit, I just ask that you move within each of our hearts and our minds and our dreams at night and the things we see during the daytime and every way your voice speaks to us we just say show us show us what to do with this revelation lead us forward into the next step of this great revelation and and may you continue to unfold it within us we want to see love correctly we want to see love as the original motivator and we want to see love in its original design thank you for all that you've done to unveil our original design and so now please unveil your original design of love unveil your original design of love within us Unveil within us now the whole meaning and the purpose of the display of your glory. Unveil within us an understanding of what this, this great need within man is, that man has an innate need to proclaim your glory. Help us find a way to connect the dots for people, to lead them to the experience that will give them the freedom to do that when they don't even know what they're doing. Lead us in how to, pro to provide that opportunity to to just make people aware of the hunger within them so that the, the love that satisfies can truly be connected with their greatest need. So we just thank you for what you're doing in this body, in this tribe, but we just thank you for what you're doing in, in the whole globe, that you're pouring out revelation in, in houses just like this one around the world, and there's going to be a great convergence that is going to be a huge proclamation. I just prophesy it now. There's going to be a, a huge proclamation, a unified proclamation from the body of Christ that's going to go out into the land, and it's going to satisfy like no one has ever experienced satisfaction ever before and so we just say thank you and we say yes to what you're doing in Jesus name amen thank you for listening to this message from One Life OK for more information please visit us at onelifeok.com okay